now it's time for chapter 7 of Attack of the Turtle. As I rode downstream towards Saybrook, I thought about my mission. How could I find out what Mr. Pratt was doing? What if he caught me? As I neared shore, I realized I'd rowed across the river by myself for the first time. What's more, I was rowing strong and hard. I couldn't believe it. When I was about 30 feet from shore, I heard rustling in the reeds. I saw a dark figure dart away from the bank and disappear towards town. Heart pounding, I rowed into the cover of the reeds. Why me, I thought. I would do anything, anything, if I didn't have to chase this man. But that's how I always felt when I was afraid of something. I tied the boat to a submerged log and sloshed ashore. Whoever it was had a head start. I ran after him, keeping a safe distance behind as he entered Saybrook. He headed straight for Mr. Pratt's house. I slipped into Josh's yard and crept to the Pratt's, two houses down. A light shone from the open window, and I heard men's voices. I walked towards the window, so scared that my legs didn't want to work. They felt like rubber, and my feet dragged like they were stuck in buckets of molasses. Ten feet from the house, my legs completely locked up. I felt like I was frozen in stone. What did Tories do if they caught you? You got caught. I heard a lot of stories about patriots tarring and feathering Tories. Did Tories do the same to patriots? Nathan! A voice whispered from above. In the moonlight, I saw a dark shape in the second story window. Hide before they see you. They know about the water machine. Uh, Rachel? I stammered. How did she know about the turtle? From the open downstairs window, I heard chairs sliding. Dad, grab it! Mr. Pratt snapped. Who is that? His dark, round-shouldered shape filled the doorway. Behind the tree, Nathan! Now! Rachel hissed. I flung myself behind the old oak tree just in time. Pratt, did you see anything? A voice called from the window. You think that boy helping Bushnell followed me? Could be, Mr. Pratt said. He was only a few feet away from the tree. If it is, I'll skin his little hide and tar and feather what's left. I looked around wildly for a place to escape. No branch hung low enough to climb, and the street was too far away. Father, it was me, Rachel called out. Up here. Girl. What in God's name are you doing up? Mr. Pratt asked. I thought I heard a wolf again. What wolf? I heard a wolf growling out here a few nights ago. I think he was looking for something to eat. It was probably just Josh Lambry, dadgam dog, looking for food. I swear you got no sense, girl. Get back to bed and don't let me hear any more of this nonsense. Mr. Pratt went back into the house. I stayed pinned against the tree for a few more minutes. 
then tiptoed towards the street. Hey, wolf! I looked up and saw the silhouette of Rachel in the dark. Be careful, she whispered, closing the window. Wow, I thought. She called me wolf. Was that good? Nobody much liked wolves. They were always coming down from the hills and killing livestock. But wolves were also strong and tough. Could it be she liked me? Twice now, Rachel had escaped me, had helped me, escaping a beating, or worse. You didn't help someone you didn't like, did you? Nate the wolf, I thought. Rachel's wolf. Wow. I felt like howling at the moon. I started strutting down the middle of Main Street. Nate! A voice behind me whispered. I whirled around. It was Josh. What are you doing here? I asked. I got up to use the chamber pot, and I see you're creeping around. I was, shall we say, intrigued. Intrigued indeed, I'd muttered. I wonder what you were doing, and why were you doing it without me? But then I thought, he must like Rachel. When I didn't respond, Josh laughed. What'd you do? Throw rocks at her window? <laughs> no. I am proud of you, Nate. Mr. Shy and Bashful, chasing the prettiest girl in Saybrook? What's got into you? It was risky, you know, with old man Pratt right there. He'd lop your head off if he caught you throwing rocks at his house. Boy, you must like her a lot. We kept walking, and Josh kept chattering, until he realized I was heading to the river, not to the farm. Where are you going, Nate? Love got you turned around? I'm not in love. Uh-huh. So, to repeat the question, what are you doing? Why are you walking to the river in the middle of the night? I had to think about that one for a minute. I could lie and tell Josh I was night fishing with David and Ezra. That we'd be agreed upon if anyone asked. But Josh knew I hated fishing, and besides, I didn't want to lie to my best friend. But yet I promised David I wouldn't tell anyone about the turtle. I had already broken that promise once, with nearly disastrous results. I can't tell you, I said finally. Can't tell me? Josh exclaimed. Can't tell me? Of course you can. What's so important you can't tell your best friend? We were almost to the spot where the rowboat was hidden. I knew David and Ezra would be watching the shore for me. Look, I'm sorry, I said, but it's a secret. I promised. I've got to go. Josh scowled and folded his arms across his chest. I felt his angry eyes boring into my back as I waded out onto the boat. Why did I ever agree to help build the submarine? I asked myself, sighing. It had been nothing but trouble. I heard voices in the distance, coming down the road towards us. Who's that? I whispered. Who cares? Josh spouted angrily. Maybe it's Mr. Pratt, coming to get you for breaking Rachel's windows. I didn't break any windows, and I didn't throw anything, you fool. I was spying on him. 
Spying? Now we're getting somewhere. Why were you spying on Mr. Pratt? I gotta go, I said, climbing into the boat. It is Pratt, Josh said. I recognize that old bear's growl anywhere. Looks like Mr. Fenton, Mr. Smith, Mr. Weatherby too. I wonder what they're doing out here. Pratt? Oh my God. Get in the boat, Josh. If they find you here, they'll think you're working with me. They'll tar and feather you. Josh started to protest, but the panic in my voice must have gotten his attention. He ran down the bank, tripped over a tree root, and fell face first in the water. I grabbed him by the collar and hauled him into the boat. Terrified, I tore the orbs wildly towards the water, missed, and fell backward into Josh's big belly. He yelled out a ye- he let out a yelp. I pulled myself up, grabbed the oars, and gave another mighty pull. This time the oars dug in the water, and we shot away from the bank. I rode like a madman, and in just a few minutes, we were halfway to the island. They, there they are, Josh whispered. Two lancer, lanterns had appeared on the bank. Thank goodness, Nate, what did you do? I shook my head, gasping, pain stabbing my sides. No time now, I gasped. Soon the lights on the shore were just specks. Nate, I thought you hated water. Suddenly you're a natural out here? What's going on? Josh asked. I was too worried to answer. We slid up to Poverty Island, and I saw the comforting, familiar figure of Ezra waiting out to us. As he pulled the rowboat to a little beach, I slumped over the oars, feeling like I might throw up. My arms, shoulders, and sides burned. I see we have company, Ezra said to me quietly, his eyes focusing on Josh. It it couldn't be avoided, I gasped. The Tories showed up. Tories? It's not his fault I'm here, Josh said. He was throwing rocks at Rachel Pratt's window, and I followed him, and we got chased. Why were you throwing rocks at Rachel Pratt's window? Ezra asked. Beginning to recover a little, I protested. I wasn't throwing rocks at Rachel Pratt's window. David is going to be furious, Ezra said. It was Mr. Pratt, I said. He and his pals are after the turtle. I think they're coming to sink it. Before Ezra could respond, David emerged from the trees. Gentlemen, we're almost ready to go to New York, he said. Then he saw Josh. Uh, what is he doing here? There's no time to explain, Ezra said. Pratt and his Tory friends are after the turtle. We've got to move it now. We hurried to the shed. What is that? Josh asked, wide-eyed, staring at the turtle. Nate, tell me what's going on. It's a water machine, I said. It goes underwater. (laughs) Of course it does, Josh said, bewildered. But there was no time to explain. We had to get it out of there quickly. Using rope, we hauled the turtle out to the water and attached it to the boat. The sloop is waiting at the mouth of the river, David said. You got here just in time, Nate. We hurriedly launched out into the river. Ezra took the oars 
and we moved downstream, tugging the heavy turtle behind us. Don't look now, but we've got company, Josh said. Upstream, two lights were moving rapidly towards us. Ezra rode with all his might, but the lights quickly gained on us. In the moonlight, I could see the outline of the men in the boat. There were four of them, and four of us, but they were bigger and probably had guns. I should have just stayed in bed, Josh groaned. David was sitting in the stern, staring hard at our pursuers. Suddenly he stood up. Stop the boat, Ezra. Are you crazy? They'll sink the submarine, and who knows what they'll do to us. Ezra, get in the turtle. It's time to go on the attack. It took a second, but Ezra understood. He opened the hatch on the conning tower and untied the ropes. Ezra squeezed his big body into the turtle and closed the hatch. The craft quickly submerged until only the conning tower was visible. We watched it move upriver on the collision course with the Tories. Mr. Pratt and company began pointing and shouting when they spied the turtle. One of them lifted a musket and fired. Splash! The bullet splashed a few feet from the conning tower. Dive, Ezra! Dive! David shouted. As though Ezra could hear him, the conning tower disappeared almost immediately. The astonished Tories stood in their boat, staring at the suddenly empty surface. Where did it go? Mr. Pratt hollered. The Tories were close, only 50 feet away. As they drifted nearer, they turned their attention from the water to us. Looks like your chicken brother got away. Well, we've got you, Bushnell, Mr. Pratt shouted. How's the rotting belly of the British prison ship sound to you? The Tories pulled up beside us, leveling their muskets at our chests. You too, Mr. Pratt snarled at me. Don't think you can hide because you're a boy. He laughed. I'll give Benjamin Franklin your new address in prison so he can write to you. David glanced at the water, then at Pratt his eyes flashing defiantly. Pratt, you're going to the bottom of the river. Come on, let's take them, Mr. Pratt said. Suddenly, the other Tories shouted in alarm. Something's coming through the bottom of the boat, one of them yelled. I heard the wood grinding and tearing. It's a screw! That bastard in the water machine, he's trying to sink us, another Tory screamed. A glittering metal screw was chewing a hole in the bottom of the Tory's boat. Then it withdrew, and water poured in. Plug it, you idiots! Pratt yelled. One of the men crouched, holding a piece of wood over the leak, but the boat was going down fast. David nudged me with his foot. Start rowing, he ordered. The current bore us quickly away from the sinking boat, and we halted a few hundred yards downstream. I glimpsed Mr. Pratt and his Tory pals swimming for shore, Looks like those rats will live to see another day, David said. A few minutes later, the turtle surfaced nearby. The hatch opened, and Ezra's head popped up. Wood screw? David asked. Check, Ezra said with a big grin. Gentlemen, this was a good start, David said. But we've got bigger boats to attack. British men of war. Tomorrow. We go to New York. Exasperated, Josh gave me a puzzled look. 
and I nodded. I knew I had a lot of explaining to do. And this is the end of chapter 7.